Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. I am back from my one week of retirement. I, I miss you guys way too much, man. Uh, I am here with Rob and Nick. How you guys doing? Yo, what's going on, man? Yeah, uh, that that one week retirement was way too short. Um, obviously, you had to come back after a, after a, a busy week in baseball, right? We had we we took a week off because things got silent, and then things uh, heated up real quick in the last couple of days. So definitely here to to talk about it and everything that's been going down. Yeah, I'm excited, man. The, the Rangers got a key piece that I know we're going to talk about in depth, and uh, I'm actually interested in how it's going to work out for them, and it's going to be fun to talk about for sure. And, and that's exactly where we're going to start, man. And if you guys haven't heard yet, which I'm sure you have, Jacob DeGrom, possibly the best arm in baseball right now, signed with the Texas Rangers. Now, it's not something that's like super surprising. I think, I think you know, a lot of people saw it coming to a certain extent. Um, especially after shining Bruce Bochy, we, we thought that Texas is going to be aggressive this free agent period. And look, man, they were. They offered they offered Degrom a very very um, competitive offer. It comes in at thirty seven a year over five years, which I don't I don't know math, man. But it's it, it basically it's, it's it's a really big contract for for um, Jacob Degrom. And before we start getting into what that means for Texas, I do want to make one comment. Today, Nick is wearing a Rays hat. One of the destinations that was rumored to have the Grom was the Rays, and to that I say, if you are a Rays fan and you hear a big name free agency going to your team, do not look at it because you do not have that hope. They will not be spending with the big boys. They are not big boys. So if you hear a Judge to Tampa, if you hear a anyone who's going to be making more than the minimum wage in Florida to Tampa, odds are they're not going to Tampa. So just just don't want you to, you know, get your hopes up. You guys will still be playing, you know. 2003 Moneyball with Brad Pitt as your general manager. But anyway, Nick, because you, you do love the Grom so much, and because you're wearing the Rays hat, you know, man, what, what, what are your thoughts on this news hit the kind of press here? This is the wrong move for the Rangers and the right move for DeGrom. And the reason I say that is I, th I really think Verlander was the right move. DeGrom got his bag, as he should have. He gets to go to a state with low income taxes, so he's going to get all that bag. Either he's going to pay for his bag to carry it in. Um, I mean, this is a good move for DeGrom. It's guaranteed there is a six-year option, which is actually pretty pretty uh, interesting in how it plays out because it depends on how healthy he is, um, also how well he does. But that could take the total contract to six years, $222 million. That's, that's a big paycheck for a guy who, there's no question about it. He is the best pitcher in baseball. For a guy standing on the mound, there's nobody out there that dominates like this guy. I mean, he strikes out almost 50% of his hitters as a starting pitcher. Um, it's just a matter of how healthy can he stay. My, what I'm really interested in is, you know, we've always talked about the Mets are going to Met. Look how healthy Noah Syndergaard is after being, I mean, he had his Tommy John, but since then, he's been pretty healthy since then. He's not the same guy as he was, but maybe this change for DeGrom keeps him healthy for a lot longer. And maybe we see another level if there is one. Like, how crazy would that be? Does he go a whole year with like a .7 ERA and a, you know, a negative whip and you know, strikes out more batters than he faces somehow, it's possible, especially in the AL West. You know, you really only have the Astros to worry about. Um, the Mariners lineup got a little bit better, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, but their lineup was not their key point. So really the only offense he's got to worry about on a regular basis is going to be the Astros. And he's so good that that's not going to matter too much. Uh, for DeGrom, this is great. He's got his bag. He's got, you know, five, maybe six years. So he's going to pitch up until he's 39, 40 years old. This is his retirement team. It's, on, it's a team on the come up, and that's where maybe I'm not so sure with the Rangers. Um, their starting staff is headlined by Martin Perez and John Gray. 
Uh, as much as I like me some John Gray, I think he's a good pitcher. That's where it stops. He's a good pitcher. Martin Perez had his career year last year. There's no way you expect anything close to that on any level. Strikeouts, ERA, whip, even numbers of innings pitch. And if they get that back, then that's great. But there's a reason that you have a year like that as Martin Perez and you accept the qualifying offer because you know you ain't going to get shit outside of that team and that money. So congratulations. They both got paid. I, the, the reason I don't like it for the Rangers, I don't think DeGrom is going to be a guy that can develop the aces coming up. And when you're there for five or six years, that's part of your thing. You're, if DeGrom pitches like he has pitched the last couple of years, even with the number of innings he does at the ages of 37, 38, 39, that's a huge victory for the Rangers. I don't think he's going to do that. You're not going to be throwing 100 miles an hour until that. Nolan Ryan couldn't even do it. How is this guy going to do it? And Nolan Ryan was just, I mean, he's just a horse out there. So for me, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Rangers long term or really even short term. I don't see Jacob DeGrom taking them to the playoffs. I just don't. Maybe if he gets all 33 starts and gets over 200 innings, possibly. But just Jacob DeGrom, to me, does not get him into the playoffs. It doesn't put him over even the Mariners, for me. It for sure doesn't put him over the Astros. I don't know if they're one of the top six teams in the AL at this point just with DeGrom. So to me, it's what's the next move? And we've talked about it before. I don't think he's going to develop the guys like Leiter and Kumar Rocker. I don't see him being that type of player. I mean, let's be real here. He was a failed shortstop. He was a good shortstop, but he was a failed shortstop turned starting pitcher. He doesn't have this longevity of knowing how to pitch, the mentality of it. He's just got incredible arm talent. He literally is just the most electric arm in baseball, and he dominates because of his physical attributes. I'm not saying he's not a good pitcher mentally. I don't see him taking what he knows from his craft and being able to impart it into other pitchers what I see him doing is like hey watch me and see if you can do it which nobody can so that's not fair Justin Verlander was the guy I would like to have seen them get because I think he wants to play until he's 44 as he said but I think he understands that his transition at some point is to teach the next round they didn't spend a whole lot of money it is a high AAV but overall when you're doing 37 million a year they still have some room to play it's not a lot but they could be in the market still for a Carlos Rodon if you pair those two together, now you're talking playoffs. Now I can see you jumping over the Mariners. Um, they have a few more holes still to, to fill in, and their farm system isn't the best. But what I do like about this matchup for the Rangers is with having Bruce Bochy there, I think he's going to know how to manage DeGrom better than maybe any other manager in the game from a pitching standpoint. Terry Francona may be the other one, but Bruce Bochy has proven over and over again the way he can handle a staff, both bullpen and starters. I think that's going to be a key factor in their success. To me, it's it's what you want to see. You want to see a big-name guy go to a small market team that's on the come-up and see what can happen. I just don't know if this puts him into the playoffs at this point, but he really did get his bag. Good for him. I would love to see him just continue being dominant and go from you know his 15, 16 starts a year to 25 to 30 starts a year. Every single time Jacob DeGrom is on the mound, it's much watch sports, not even just baseball. and. It's going to be great. It's going to be interesting as well, though, because he's going out of the major market of New York, where the media is all over it, to Texas, where I don't, there's some people that probably don't even know that Marcus Simeon's on the team still. Like, let's be real here. Like, they don't get very much media. They're not talking about him a lot. So it's going to be an interesting signing. I don't, I, overall, I don't like it for the Rangers. I hope I eat my words in five years and that he just absolutely dominates and pulls his sixth year and the Rangers make the playoffs consecutively. 
that would be awesome. I just don't see that this was the move for them to make. I think they had other moves to make specifically around kind of getting the new younger pitchers, somebody they can really look to because their, their pitching coach is not the best, you know, they're not bad, but they're not guys that are developing these arms into something good. There's a reason they're going out to get arms like a John Gray and like a Jacob deGrom. So we'll see how it plays out, but good for deGrom to get his money. He's going to go to a place I think where he is going to be able to be a little bit healthier on a regular basis, which will be good. Yeah. So look, there's a lot going on with deGrom that the, you know, first thing is the age part of it, right? He's not a dude in his 20s. He's, he's in his early 30s. Um, the only, I guess the only counter argument to any of that is by the time that contract ends, he'll be the same age that, like, Verlander is now. And Verlander's probably going to get another $100 million contract for, for three, two or three years. So, you know, as far as can he, can he still be an elite pitcher at that age, you know, we've seen other guys do it. You know, Verlander being the example right now. The the thing with with Degrom has been that injury history, though. And even this year, he was he was snake bitten by injuries, right? Like he he didn't pitch most of this year. Yeah, he was back in the playoffs, and you love that. But if you're a team like the Rangers, like you mentioned, the things around the Rangers aren't good enough for him to miss that much time, and them to still be a, a contender. So that's definitely going to be interesting. You know. The Rangers are in, are in a very weird place in baseball where I feel like they, they're spending a lot of money, but I don't know if they're spending it the best way possible. You know, we, we said it last year when they signed both Corey Seager and, and, and Simeon where I don't think any of us really believe in, believe in Simeon like that. And, you know, as a second baseman, he's a plus second baseman. As a shortstop, I think he was a, like, middle-of-the-pack shortstop. But still, he got his money. Right, those are those are players on the books, and I think the biggest thing about the Grom it kind of just tells us what we're going to be seeing. I think this free agency period and free agency periods going forward, where we saw that luxury tax rise, and now these big name players are going to be taking advantage of it. Right, it's not going to be distributed amongst more players. It's just going to be the better players are going to make that much more money, which is something to look at right now. Right, like it, it was funny when we were doing the how much we thought players were going to get this offseason. I have Verlander at three for 102. And in my head, I was like, you know what? That, that's kind of high for a dude who's 39, right? Because that's even older than, well, I mean, whatever age he is. But, like, that's that's different than Scherzer. Because Scherzer got a big contract like that. But Scherzer's younger than, than, than Justin Verlander by a few years. So, you know, we'll see where it's going. Um, you know, DeGrom, man, get his bag. Texas, you just hope it works out for you. Yeah, man. Look, quick quick comments on, on Verlander. I think I think your AAV might even be low. Like, because I had him at, I think I had him at a, what was it? I think I had him like 35 or 36. Yeah. Whatever team signs Verlander, I agree with you. Like, age-wise, it's surprising that you would be like, wow, you're going to give that, you know, per year to that type of guy. But at the same time, at this point, you're paying for that Cy Young award. You're paying for that premium that he's coming off of. Like, it's it's going to have to be what it is, especially when he got $25 million this last season to win that Cy Young. If he was coming off a $15 million season, you know, then maybe the conversation is in that 25, 27 range. But yeah, no, Verlander's probably getting at least 35, especially Verlander. Uh, the, the guy right here that we're talking about, the Grom just got 37 for Texas. And, you know, I was talking about it earlier. It's not surprising that he ended up with Texas. I'm, I'm just more surprised at the fact that it actually happened. Like, I'm, I'm not surprised that Texas was the team that he picked. But the fact that he actually went through and, and left New York and is now going to Texas, um, a team that definitely has 
a lot more to accomplish than New York to get back into a, a prime position to contend. Um, look, if I'm going to be honest, I think if we look at the Mets, I'm going to predict that the Mets are going to take a very hard pivot. And we've mentioned it before. When you have a, a owner like Steve, like Steve Cohen, that's a plus. That's a plus for these exact type of situations. Because did Steve Cohen leave uh, lose Jacob DeGrom? Absolutely. But I don't think Steve Cohen is that worried, to be honest. I was watching, a, I think I was watching a video uh, the morning that DeGrom um, decided to uh, sign with Texas. And it was talking about, um, you know, like there was a Twitter account or something like that that had tweeted something about DeGrom in advance talks with the Rangers, right? And apparently Steve Cohen liked it. Like Steve Cohen's of like official Twitter account, like liked that tweet, right? And the guys that were talking about it, because I was watching a like a radio show, like YouTube video about it. The guys that were talking about like Steve Cohen liking the tweet were like, wow, that's weird. Like Steve Cohen doesn't really go on Twitter and like a lot of things. They even said his last tweet, his last like was from something like back in like 2021. Like, so he's not out here just every day liking things on Twitter, right? So it stands out that he would like a tweet saying that the Grom was in advance talks with the Rangers. And now look, everyone thought that it was a possibility, possibility like, ha, ah, you know, Steve Cohen's just laughing. Like he's going to have the last laugh. He's going to offer DeGrom the most money. And the Mets didn't really even have a chance to make a final offer, which says more about where DeGrom wanted to be. You know, DeGrom wasn't really sure. Like, would DeGrom like to get $44 million a year and top Scherzer's AV? Sure. Like, who wouldn't like to make more money? But at the same time, I think DeGrom was just after security. I think five years at 185 is the definition of security. You've locked your future up no matter where you go. $37 million AV with the potential of a six-year is great security for him. He goes to Texas. He's the number one there. Like Nick mentioned, less attention on you, which I'm sure will benefit him. Um, but for the Rangers, yeah, like you have to look forward. You have to look forward at their plans. I think I think the Rangers look at their window being like this five, six year contract for DeGrom. They look at that period in time. You figure that by, look, if, if, if they meet their expectations, we might see a, a Jack Leiter or a Kumar Rocker in the MLB by the Grom's second year in Texas. I don't think we'll see either one of them this season, but we might talk about end of next year. By year three, definitely, I think one of them will be part of that major league rotation. And I think that's what Texas is planning on. They, they're planning on both of those guys hitting for them. Look, if both of those guys hit, now you have DeGrom, Perez, and all this stuff. And look, We've talked about it before, guys. Like, it's Texas. It's not a big market or anything close to it. But it's about talent acquisition. When you have a group of talented players like that winning, because winning is what matters above all, right? And, and, and we got to be serious about something here. The most important acquisition that the Texas Rangers might make this offseason is Bruce Bochy. That might be their most important acquisition because I don't think they get Jacob DeGrom without a Bruce Bochy. When you have a manager in there that has three World Series rings on his fingers, guess what? There's only five managers in the history of the game that can say that they have more rings than Bruce Bochy. And others that have the same amount of three are only a few more. There's not that many, right? Like, it's crazy to say that, like, you're upgrading from a Buck Showalter who, who himself is already a very, like, you know, manager who has a lot of history to his game. And Bruce Bochy is an upgrade to Buck Showalter. And that's going to cause an upgrade to that entire franchise. Players are watching Texas now. 
They they just signed Jacob DeGrom. That's going to bring other players on board too. We can say whatever we want, you know, when we don't know what their offseason officially is going to look like because, again, winter meetings are just about to start. But we can look at their rotation right now. I guarantee you that's not what their rotation is going to look like two or three seasons from now when more guys come on board. And look, from the Rangers side of things, do they have to clean up a lot of things? Absolutely. You, you definitely have Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon who look, they're, they're, they're cemented in their positions. That's your second base and shortstop duo moving forward, at least for the next three years, probably. We know that. But we're probably going to see the Rangers try to update in other areas. I look at their outfield right now. Their outfield is weak. They're, they don't have a strong outfield at all. And I'm not saying that it would necessarily be a crazy, crazy upgrade or anything like that. But do we see the Rangers possibly sign someone like a Michael Conforto, who was a free agent this entire past season and should definitely be on a major league roster? I mean, he's not like a crazy, you know, all-star player or anything like that. But Michael Conforto has an 824 career OPS. That is serviceable to a lot of MLB teams. And the fact that he's not on a major league roster right now is kind of disappointing. A team like the Texas Rangers might be, you know, one of those teams that takes a flyer on a one-year deal on someone like that. But, but the outfield is definitely an area where they have to upgrade. We'll see how they do in the infield because, you know, they have guys like Nathan Lowell playing first base. They have guys like Josh Young playing third base um, and, and guys like Jonah Heim, you know, at catcher who they might see as their long-term catcher. Who knows? Whatever he turns out to be. But, you know, from the Rangers side of things, I think this is just the beginning of their moves. I think they're they're going to be one of the most interesting teams in baseball. And like Nick mentioned, too, I don't know that this necessarily deters them from talks with other guys. I don't I don't know that that we're not sitting here two or three weeks from now with a with a Carlos Rondon in a in a, in a Texas Rangers jersey or, or anything like that. And I'm telling you right now, if they sign Carlos Rondon, that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation because now you're talking about Martin Perez being your number three. And you went into last season with Martin Perez as your number one. So Martin Perez is definitely going to be able to fit more in his in his natural kind of Nestor cortez um <laughs> kind of role, you know, in the rotation. So Texas is definitely going to be an interesting one to watch, man, because, look, Houston is going to be dominating that division. Like, we know that Texas, the, 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 the Grom signing doesn't make Texas leapfrog Houston by any means. But I think it definitely pushes them towards the conversation with Seattle. You know, because I don't think Seattle has anything locked up by any means. I think Seattle is definitely going into this next season as like, sure, like we, we you know, we envision ourselves going back to the postseason. But who's to say that Texas doesn't like go on a run and pull off, you know, the second the second place finish in the West and a wild card finish? Like, who knows? I think that would be their ceiling. I'm not going to say that they're any type of contender or anything like that. I would also have to see how their offseason finishes. But I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. You know, it's funny, man. You mentioned you mentioned the the Mets aspect of this, and look, I'm not gonna take an opportunity. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna miss an opportunity to make fun of the Mets. So here this we is go. It right here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> look, Met fans, you guys are still like the fucking circus show of the MLB. Like, don't ever forget that. You know, every every king needs his gesture, and that's you. You know what I mean? Like when you go and you say, you know what? We know we have the Grom, who's one of the best pitchers to ever wear our uniform. He's, he's going to be a free agent. And, you know, instead we're going to prioritize Edwin Diaz, who's a closer, who pitches one inning a game at most, sometimes maybe two, right? If, he, if you're really crazy, he goes three. We're going to prioritize that, which, look, good for you guys. You guys got a high-end closer. Shit, I, right now you have the best closer in New York. You might have the best closer on the East Coast. Shit, he might be the best closer in the MLB. Good luck getting it to him. That's what I'll say. 
right? Like, like who are we depending on right now? We got, what, Max Scherzer, who, who's been limping towards the end of every season for the last, like, three seasons. Um, you know, Chris Bassett's not there anymore. Not that I thought he was that great, but he's a, he's a good pitcher. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go get Carlos Rendon? Do it. Go get Carlos Rendon. Go, go for it, guys. Go for it, Queens. Make, make some moves with your with – your, Bro, what is, what is the Mets' rotation? What is the Mets' rotation right now? It's literally Max Scherzer. They don't have Max Chris Scherzer. Bassett or Walker under contract. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. literally Max Scherzer. What is the Mets' rotation right now? And look, for, <laughs> for, for all intents and purposes, look, if, if you're a player, you want to go where money is spent. Obviously, you want to get paid more. But you also got to want to see what the future is like. And I think it speaks volume. Two things speak volume. The first one was when, when DeGrom first got his extension. It was a short-term extension. You remember that a few years ago? It wasn't like that big, you know, seven, eight-year deal like a guy like Garrett Cole got when he was up for, for an extension. It was a, well, let's see how this shit works out for three years, right? Like, I know I've been hurt. I just came off my Cy Young season. Um, let, let's see how we like it here. And then, look, right now the Mets are a better team than, than the Rangers are. The Rangers are, are, are on that P where that potential. You know, Mets are, for all intents and purposes, a better team today. But do I think that remains? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. For all the fun things the Mets do and all the money they've spent on cool things for the fans, that doesn't make you any smarter when it comes to spending on your baseball on your baseball roster. So I'm just saying, Mets fans, like, y- y'all got to – I know y'all in shambles right now because you're also nowhere near anything in the judge conversation. And that was your, <laughs> your other big chip this, this offseason. Um, no, man, look, look, the Rangers, Rangers are obviously trying to spend. I, I think that it's, it's a good thing for baseball that you have another team saying, hey, we want to bring stars in here. And, and when we travel and we go to other stadiums and when people come here, there's guys that we know are going to be here for, for at least the next five years. Uh, they're big name guys, guys you've heard about, guys with big moments, right? Corey Seager's had big moments. Simeon's had two top three MVP finishes. The Grom now, you know, we know his side young resume. We know the, the amazing words he put up. So it's good for the Rangers. They just opened a brand new ballpark, so they need the fans. I, I'm not surprised at all by any of these moves. What do they need to do next? I don't know, right? Their minor league system isn't great. I, I know that we have um, Jack Leiter. Uh, Kumar is a little bit, um, you know, I mean, Kumar Rocker is a little bit further away, I think, just because of the arm injury and that whole process that came in to getting drafted again after the Mets said, hey, we're not going to draft you. Man, Mets lost two pitchers to, to the to the to the Rangers. <laughs> I was just I was about, about to say, that. man. I was just um, about to say, man. But but um, Josh Josh Young at third play third base, right? Jonathan Heim, whatever his name is, um, the, the catcher. There's there's good things happening for Texas. I don't know if it's enough, but I'll say this: look, the AL West isn't super strong. You know, I know I know that we all praise the Mariners for what they did last year, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge: look, you, the A's are in your roster. The A's are in your division. They're not necessarily someone that's super strong. Texas wasn't super strong last year. Uh, Angels were pretty much in, like in shambles all season long after after their hurt, hurt hot two two month start. Um, so it's a, it's a division that's kind of up for grab. Not, okay, aside from first place, it's a division up up <laughs> yeah. for grab. Right, it's like, a no playoff one, spot that's up for grab. Not the they're division. Fighting for, yeah. They're fighting for a wild yeah. card spot. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> nobody that anything's doing that, that that's gotten to the Astros. And I think that's a great segue. Let's take it to the Astros because they have made some moves, and their big move was Jose Abreu. And, dude, I, how, how do other teams in the MLB let this shit happen is my question, right? Like, I, I think there's, like, such a devaluation in someone like Jose Abreu 
because he's not your typical player of what we've seen last year, he does everything right, but he does it quietly. He's not a dude that's going to hit 50 home runs, but he's a guy who has 30 home run potential, right? He's not going to hit 300, pop. I mean, he's not going to hit, like, 315, but he'll probably, like, be around 300. Um, I just don't get how a guy like Jose Abreu goes under the radar. And not only goes under the radar, but he's allowed to get signed by, by the Astros. Like, for, for all the money all the money that, like, Texas spent, how don't you look at Jose Abreu as a potential middle of the lineup guy? And he's, he's relatively cheap. That wasn't a big contract that he got. It's very cheap. If, yeah. If you're, if you're the Rangers, that's the opportunity you missed. Because your first baseman sucks right now. Who the fuck? I don't even know. I can't, I can't even guess who plays first base for, for the Rangers right now. So, for, for, for all this cool big name stuff, Jose Abreu, who by name isn't big, but by production he is, how, how does he go under the radar and go to, and, and go to the Astros? People have projected, projected lineups out there. And they're like, oh, Jose Abreu's your six-hitter. Jose Abreu's not your six-hitter. Jose Abreu will be your cleanup hitter. He, he will be the guy in the middle of the lineup that, that keeps that lineup going. Like, I, I don't know if people understand how professional of a hitter Jose Abreu is, right? He's not your masher, but he puts – I would say this. I would argue that there's not more than five players in the MLB that take better at-bats than Jose Abreu, right? Like, it is, it is, it is nuts, man. Yo, Rob, I'll, I'll start it off with you because I know this, for me and you as the Yankee fans, we're like, what the fuck? We didn't have one other team that could have, like, gone after this guy. But what are your thoughts on Abreu to Houston? Yeah, man, I, I agree. Uh, Abreu to Houston was just another power move on on the Astros, and I think it's it's crazy to see. Uh, you know, Jose Abreu to the Astros is a move you expect. Like, if the Astros would have gone to the World Series and gotten you know smashed by the Phillies, and they're like, "Hey, we need to add to this team," you know, to make sure that we capture a title, then that's kind of like where you expect a move like this. The fact that they went out and added a former MVP, you know, even in, for whatever it was in a shortened season, a former MVP um, to be their first baseman now or, or wherever, you know, the, the days he's not playing first base, he'll, he'll spend some days at DH if they want to throw Jordan in the outfield some days. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get some days in there as well. But dude, it, I think the thing is, look, it doesn't really matter where they put him. If, if he's batting cleanup, fifth, sixth, all, all of those three positions are correct because the thing about Jose Abreu that you mentioned and is so key is that he is not, his his body might indicate that he's like a prototypical slugger or like power hitter, but he is an RBI machine, and that's where his value comes in. In that Houston lineup, if you put a, if you put him in the fifth hole, if you put him in the sixth hole, he's going to go back to probably driving 90, 100 RBIs in for the Houston Astros. I mean, he was coming off a down year and, and on the White Sox, 15 home runs, 75 RBIs. Sure, like we talked about before, for a lot of superstar players, star players, it's it's you know a down year by your standards is is a year that a lot of other players would want to have in their career, and that's exactly where, where Jose Abreu was. He spent nine years with the Chicago White Sox. They weren't able to accomplish much. I think, like honestly, I can't even tell you the exact number. I think what if Jose Abreu's been there nine seasons? I think the White Sox went to the postseason how many times? Once, twice, I think twice in those nine years. I'm not I'm not sure. They make, yeah, they make the postseason this year, so yeah, once. Yeah, so I mean, so much for accomplishing anything, and then and then that's that's where the key is because here's the thing, people: if you go that long without at least accomplishing something, right? Like I know, I know, we as Yankee fans are spoiled because whenever we don't win the title, it's like that. But the Yankees go to the postseason like <laughs> like really often, you know. If you can't at least like put together some type of postseason runs, there's going to be teams that do that that start knocking on the door of your players, right? He signed with Houston. 
I don't remember all the teams that they said exactly, but there were a shitload of teams that offered Jose Abreu contracts. The Guardians offered him a deal in the same division. Imagine if Jose Abreu would have jumped over to the Guardians after the Guardians almost knocked out the Yankees in the division series this year. Like, the, uh, a team in your own division could have stolen him. The Padres were talking to Jose Abreu. Like, and I think there were like two or three more teams that were also involved that threw similar money at him and, and similar cheap money. You're paying 20 million AAV for a firmer for a firmer MVP. Like, I get it. Like, it, it was a down year and things like that. But again, in on the right team, on the Houston Astros, it's just unfair. Like, to say that the Houston Astros are going to go from Yuli Gurriel, who is not a bad player by any means at all either, right? To, to who is, who is an, I think, uh, didn't Yuli win the batting title last season? <laughs> like, it's oh, just like, yeah. Yeah. so like to go from Yuli Gurriel to Jose Abreu now, who is a former MVP and Yuli Gurriel is probably going to end up somewhere. You know, we, I've mentioned, I've, I've heard teams like Miami, I've heard the Cubs, I've heard the Brewers for some reason. Like I've heard a lot of teams for Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel is going to go out there and get his, his money too. Um, but the Astros are just making moves that are just like unnecessary. They're unnecessary, but then it just shows what type of franchise they are, how they're running their franchise, the type of players that want to go play for them. It's why they essentially have a have a lock on the West because every position for them is strong, man. Like, like their infield right now is Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, um, Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman. That that without me looking at other teams and how they're structured right now. That's a top three infield in baseball off the top of my head. I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't remember, you know, all the exact rosters for other teams, but I would say that sounds like it from a talent perspective. And you're still talking about Kyle Tucker's and your Jordan Alvarez is in that lineup. Like it's, it's unfair in so many ways, man. But to be honest with you, I, look, we don't know what Houston's off scene is going to finish. Like Justin, Verl we don't know where Justin Verlander is going to sign. Justin Verlander might be back. And if Justin Verlander doesn't sign, what does that mean for Houston? How do they pivot? Do they try to acquire another arm through a trade? Do they look at a Carlos Rondon if he hasn't signed yet, you know? So it's going to be very interesting. But for them to add an MVP like this, man, I, I was honestly a little shocked because I thought, I thought, you know, there was a shot that Jose might leave Chicago. But I also thought that Chicago would put in their best effort to, to kind of keep him. So now it creates another hole for them. And look, we've talked about it before, but as the as the moves keep stacking up for them and as the years keep going by. Chicago is a team that's starting to look very, very disappointing because there were very high expectations for a team like Chicago. We're about two years um, removed from, you know, kind of like the start of their window with La Russa and all that stuff. I mean, La Russa is not going to be their manager anymore. Um, Jose Abreu is gone. Yoan Moncada, because of injuries, has not been able to develop into the player that they thought they were getting when they traded Chris Sale. Tim Anderson, even though great hitter for average, right, in the batting title conversation, doesn't necessarily stay that healthy either. Um, their rotation isn't anything crazy. We've talked about it before. Lucas Giolito, who should be the bona fide number one of that rotation, kind of goes up and down as the seasons come and go. So for the White Sox, I think they have a lot of questions, man. And, and when you go out there and you lose Jose Abreu so easily because he was he was gone. He was gone, man. I was re I was reading his offers and stuff. He was gone. There were at least there are at least probably five better destinations out there, offer wise and things like that, than the Chicago White Sox. That speaks volumes, man. He was he was gonna go to a bona fide contender, and the fact that that I'm saying that he's gonna go to a bona fide contender, and the White Sox are not that heading into 2023 is kind of crazy. 
It's kind of crazy. The fact that we were talking about them, you know, running away with the division and heading into 2023, it still might be the Guardians division. The Guardians made a play for him. He could have gone to San Diego, been on a contender. He ended up on the defending champs, which is probably the most ridiculous spot that he can end up on. So I think for the White Sox, it speaks volumes. And I think they, they're, the White Sox are a team that I'm looking at that has to go out there and not only reevaluate first base, but reevaluate a lot of things on their team. You know, it, it was funny with the, with the White Sox itself, right? I, I had no doubt that Abreu was going to go. And the reason, the reason was Andrew Vaughn. You can't have Andrew Vaughn in the outfield. He, you know, Andrew Vaughn, in his own right, is a very good hitter. Um, I, I would say that the fact that they haven't been able to keep him in a lineup as a mainstay is it's just such bad roster construction with that, right? You can't have a, a hitter of that caliber not taking at-bats every day. So, to, to me, the fact that he was younger, that he was going to be less money, uh, just the fact that I think it's a blow-up time in, 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 for, for Chicago, just as far as like a mini, mini blow-up, right? That division still sucks, right? So maybe Cleveland wins it next year. Maybe they don't. Who knows? I, if, if I was putting money, I'd put Cleveland on it just because the way baseball is going to change a little bit and they have those guys. But, um, you know, if you're Chicago, just small Chicago news, right? They signed Mike Clevenger, which Mike Clevenger, he's, he's a decent pitcher, right? They signed him for one year, 12 mil. But that doesn't push the envelope for them. Honestly, like at this point, Mike Clevenger is just another guy. Um, you know, so... We'll see what happens to that, but Nick, but even to yo, wait, wow. wait, let me before you kick it to Nick because this might mix into into his conversation as well. I don't know if you guys heard what people were uh, talking about with the Mike Clevenger signing, where it also points to bigger issues with the White Sox as an organization. Because if you guys remember, um, I think it was one or two seasons ago when Carlos Rendon was a free agent, right? They did not offer Carlos Rendon a qualifying offer, yeah, which was a one year like. I think 17 point something, yeah, almost 18, 18, 18 mil is the qualifier. Yeah. yeah. And so now they're giving one year, $12 million to Mike Clevenger, who is older than, Ren than Rendon was at that time and also has a lot more injury history. Right. And they weren't willing to give that. And now Rendon is probably going out there on the market and going to get like what 30, close to 30 million AAV, like whoever, whoever gives them money. So that's another interesting one too, because Rendon could have been part of that rotation. And now look where the White Sox are kind of trying to, like you said, I wouldn't say necessarily rebuild, but more like a retool in a sense. Absolutely, man. Nick, I can get over to you, dude. Yo, the White Sox need to retool their front office because since 2000, it's, it's almost like they blew their load for the next century in 2003. <laughs> like they just, not only are they making bad moves, but everything just doesn't seem to work out for them. And, uh, you know, just run the papers now. You're 2023 20, World Series champions of the Houston Astros. Like how the fuck can you not be when you have the majority of places reporting that Jose Abreu is going to be your six hitter. Like, reality here, we might see a new RBI record. If Jose Abreu hits four or five in that lineup, you're talking Jose Altuve. Jeremy Pena is the one that I don't see sitting in the top five anymore. Like, I think he falls down. Maybe he stays there because Dusty Baker is a player's manager. He's going to give him a run there to keep the system, you know, consistent. That's who Dusty Baker is. But he's not going to bump Alex Bregman out of there. He's not going to bump Jordan Alvarez out of there. Like, Jeremy Pena is really the guy that he bumps out of there. And let's be real here. If Kyle Tucker decides to have his year that he could have, and with the shift going away, it looks really promising for Kyle Tucker to have an MVP-type season because he was shifted on more than any other lefty hitter in the game. And it knocked down his expecting batting average, I believe, by 85 points. That's a huge number. To go from 257 to, like, the 330s, that's kind of crazy. And you know what? Th this, Rob alluded to the Jacob deGrom part of, 
the Mets not getting that final offer, it's almost as if DeGrom was looking to maybe not Texas, but not New York. I'm kind of thinking that Jose Abreu was literally looking at when is Houston going to give me a contract? I don't even care what the numbers are. I think maybe he just wants to win. He's been on a team that's had all this promise for so long and been in an organization that just seems to be so defunct and played for managers that really shouldn't be managing a major league baseball team at this point in their life to go to Dusty Baker as your manager, an owner who only wants to win, an organization that has proven for six years now that they are in it in every level from drafting to trades to free agents to developing like the Astros are top in every aspect of front office and for a guy like Jose Abreu who to your point Daniel is absolutely accomplished if you look back over the last six seven eight nine years it's hard to put him outside of your top five hitters in baseball over that length of time like you would really struggle to put him outside of your top five hitters in production and the way he shows up. I believe he has the most games played over the last six years out of any hitter in, in MLB. He is a, I hate the term professional hitter because they're all professionals. They're getting paid to do what they do. That, that is the definition of professional. But when you want to use it, Jose Abreu is a professional hitter. He takes the right at bats. He understands the art of getting the guy across the plate, no matter what it takes. He's one of the few hitters that is, if he needs to pull the ball, he's going to pull the ball. If he needs to go the other way, he's going to go the other way. And he's he's a serviceable first baseman. He's not going to like ruin the defense out there. And the value of it is crazy. Like To me, the value of it almost, I don't want to say guarantees Verlander going back because now they kind of have the money to do it. Uh, but unless another team just blows Houston out of the water, like Verlander's probably going to come back to Houston. And if not, they can throw some, throw, throw some money at Rodon. This move is incredible for the Astros, and it's, you know, Rob's comment is how, how do you let this happen as the other 29 major league teams? It's almost like, how does it not happen? Like, it's not a matter of the other teams not being able to take Abreu from the Astros. It's almost like, to me, looking back, because when I first saw it, I was like, holy shit, what? Abreu to the Astros? Where did that come from? But then as I look at it, it just makes all the sense in the world for Abreu, almost predetermined, like you could have predicted if you really looked at it. This is an amazing move for both of them. Like Abreu's going to probably end his career and stay. Like his Hall of Fame resume is now just going to go up. And he maybe already was there, even with the, the late life in the MLB. It's crazy to think what that lineup's going to do when you have those five hitters in front of him. And, you know, you have Chaz McCormick hitting eight. Okay, whatever. But he's a great defender. And then, you may get a Wilson Contreras because if Verlander, if Verlander leaves, I don't know if Maldonado stays there. That's kind of Verlander's guy. Yes, he does great with all the other pitchers, and the pitchers love him. The staff loves him. But Verlander was really the guy that, that locked in on him and said, this is my guy. Let's keep him here. Could you imagine adding a Wilson Contreras in there, Like, which is complete possibility? And Rob Shagan said, like, man, don't, don't even bring that into the ether. Like, let's, let's not even announce that kind of shit. But let's be real here. Why would you not go there if you're Wilson Contreras? If you have the opportunity, like take the little bit of less money to have that success and that lineup around you. It's crazy what they're doing down there in Houston. Um, for all the shade they've taken for the last few years for the cheating, you know what? All that kind of goes away in, in a sense with just the players aren't going to go there if they really think it's such a bad organization and there's all this negativity there. The players are going to either the players that are there are going to leave or the players that they're getting in are not going to go there. So there's something going on in Houston that just keeps going. 
and good for them. Good for Abreu. I mean, he's one of the, he might be the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. Like, to be real, the numbers that he puts up, and you never hear anything negative about him. He's out there every single day. You don't hear him say anything negative. It's just, it's a great fit for both sides. And the the value on the contract allows the Astros to do even more this offseason which do they need to know, but now they can. It's it's complete domination on every single level in the front office, on the field, the back end. Um, the winter meetings are going to be awesome to see what the Astros end up doing with the rest of it. But it's, I mean, it's going to take a miracle for anybody to beat this team in the regular season and then even the postseason. They're just stacked all the way around. The interesting part for me is Jose Abreu's role. He goes from team clubhouse leader, which he was in the White Sox. He was, he was pretty much the, the veteran in that in that clubhouse. Not just because he's old as hell, but also because he's been playing there and he's, he was the best player for a long time. With that youth movement of, of Luis Robert and you know Eloy and all these other guys, you know now you go to you go to Houston where that's not your role anymore. Look, you have Altuve there, and no one's taking that leadership role away from Altuve. So you know you kind of become just another guy, and, and sometimes that helps guys. You know you don't have the pressure of having to do anything other than go out, do your job. You know you're not going to be the one answering the hard questions at the end of the day. You're not going to be the one that, that people look for if this team is struggling at any point in the season. You just have to do your thing. You know, do what we paid you to do, which was just be yourself, right? You have a short box out there in, in left field, so I expect those home run numbers to go up, even though he's not really your prototypical pull hitter. But still, it's, it's good for Abreu. It's funny, you bring up Wilson Contreras, and I think Wilson Contreras might be in the – he might be in, like, the worst spot of any free agent this year where – more than any year in the past, a lot of teams have their their catcher spot. They have like a future guy there. If you, if you look at all the young talent that teams have, so I think what blocks a guy like Wilson Contreras from the from the Astros is a guy like Corey Lee, who at this point is younger, might be a little bit more athletic, has time with that staff. I, I thought like my mind was like, oh, what about the Mets? The Mets are probably a good a good place for Wilson Contreras. And then I like, eh, they have Alvarez coming up. Do they really want to? Do the whole Gary Sanchez thing where they're splitting time with him and and uh, Brian McCann back when he came up. That's probably not the way they want to go, even though one of them's going to DH. So if you're Wilson Contreras, man, the market isn't great for you. I don't necessarily know what team is like. Gimme, 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 come back. He might, he might go to the Cubs again. Just, just by the the way everything went. Plus, how the way everything went down towards that weird ass like you know middle of the year thing where he's crying in the locker room, but he's not traded. But they also don't. It's weird. It's weird. Wilson, good luck, buddy. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about the uh, another big name here. Um, and this, this person's not signed yet, but Aaron Judge, man. So there's rumors out there that he's been offered. Was it eight for three hundred? What was was the, the offer that's been reported? Yeah, yeah around that, around that ballpark. Yeah, I think if you talk to any of us, or or if you saw our projections, none of us think he's going to sign just for three hundred. I I think that. That price point expired once he went out there to break some records. Or not break records, but you know what I mean. I guess he did break a record. He broke the AL record. But anyway, um, the point is I don't think anyone thought that 300 itself was going to get it done. Um, I think the other thing we're seeing too is the market isn't as hot as we thought it was, right? Like not many teams are out there going to spend $300 million on a player. So as far as we know right now, the real players are the San Francisco Giants and New York Yankees, which we both knew that was going to be the case coming in, right? There's some rumors about the Dodgers. I, I, I'm not taking any of those rumors seriously. 
the Rays should get shot if anyone actually thinks that's going to be something that he that he goes to. Like, I'm just going to say stop watching baseball. But um, where are we at now, right? And the reason we bring this up just because he is, he is such a big name player. But, you know, really quick, what are your guys – where do you guys think this goes? And, you know, Nick, I'll start with you because I know Rob's probably going to have a lot to say about uh, I'll keep it short and sweet for the Yankee fans. Uh, I, I mean, the front runner to me is the Giants. The Yankees don't seem to be, at least in everything I'm seeing, reading, and hearing, is that the Yankees don't seem to be interested in going over three, much more over $300 million or that ninth year that Judge really wants to, to have. Um, the one there's, there's not many dark horses out there. The Dodgers, to me, aren't even an option because I don't think Judge is going to take a short contract. And the Dodgers, they just cleared $100 million off the books this year. So they got the money for this year, next year, and the year after. But Judge wants the long term. I don't think he's looking to have another free agent year. The Rangers. The Rangers are a legitimate contender, in my opinion. Because to Rob's point, their outfield's trash. You got Adoles Garcia as your number one guy. Who is turning into a perennial all-star? Great. But it's still Adoles Garcia. Like, nobody's sitting there thinking, like, I need to start my outfield with Adoles Garcia. They're willing to spend the money. They're looking for a long window. They need a big name. They need some pop. They need some outfield help. And he's good defense. He's great defensively. He's not even good. He's great defensively. And so is Adolis Garcia. That is a good outfield. That's two thirds of a great outfield right there. The Rangers, after signing DeGrom, to me, are in the mix. I don't know if they have any plans for it, but they are in the mix for it. I honestly, at this point, I think the Giants are probably like a 51%. The, the Yankees are a 48%. And the Rangers are a 1%. Um, there may be another team that comes in, but I don't see any other team that has the money or the need like the teams being the Yankees and, and the Giants. The one thing for me with the Yankees is what do you do if you don't get judged? Because there's not a combination of players out there that are going to give you that production and that security in the outfield or anywhere on the diamond. There just isn't. You obviously immediately turn to a shortstop but then you're going to overpay like crazy for any of the shortstops that are out there. And you're probably not going to get the production overall that you're going to get from Aaron judge. So it's, that's what's most interesting to me out of this. It's not necessarily where Aaron judge goes. It's what happens with the Yankees. If judge doesn't go back to New York, you know, it's funny. And, and I don't mean to insult like, you know, San Francisco, cause that's, that's his home or whatever it is. But in, in my opinion, this whole San Francisco thing, especially the fact that the number's out there, it, it's nothing more than, hey, I'm going to try to get as much money from the Yankees as I can. Um, look, in, in their own right, right? In their own right, San Francisco has a lot of great things going for them, right? Like like Farhan and San Francisco itself is a beautiful area. It's where the tech world is. It's, it's pretty much where, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's like the kingdom of the United States right now, right? Like up, up there in Silicon Valley. But... Do I want to go play for Gabe Kapler? Like, that's one thing, right? Like, granted, Aaron Boone sucks. But Aaron Boone kind of, like, sucks because we expect more. Gabe Kapler is kind of sucks because he's ass. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's just be honest, right? Like, I don't, I don't know anyone sitting here capping for Gabe Kapler. Even that year that he won 108 games, people were surprised. They were like, oh, we saw this in the cards. It was like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Right? I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I just... I can see Aaron Judge in a San Francisco Giant uniform. It's it's not crazy to me, but I think if if, if Aaron Judge and, and the, the shit he says about I want to play on a on a winning team, I want to play on a contender, I want to be you know this person in the franchise or whatever. That's that's New York, man. We've seen we've seen a lot of instances where guys 
leave New York. And what happens is their staff may be great, but they, they lose relevancy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... It's not a. It's usually not a good move to to, to leave New York. Is, is all I'm gonna say. We we haven't seen a lot of success come from that. Um, you know, I, I I think it's gonna have to be that ninth year. I think that's what gets it done. I think the, if the Yankees say okay, we'll do we'll do nine for the three whatever, he'll be like, oh, you guys just had to say that. Like you know what I mean? But Rob, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, man. Because what what are your feelings on this whole thing? Yeah, I think, look, I think the Aaron Judge market is exactly where I expected it to be. I think I'm not surprised, like like what you were saying, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily surprised that the market isn't necessarily like overheating or anything like that because I, again, I've, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. I've always been saying this entire season that the realistic market is the Yankees and the Giants. I understand that there are other teams involved. I'm not saying that the Mets can't offer him a shit ton of money. I'm not saying that the Dodgers couldn't offer him a shit ton of money if they wanted to. I'm not saying that the Red Sox or the Cubs couldn't do that or the Mariners if they wanted to like throw their hat in the race or whatever. But I'm just saying realistically from an Aaron Judge standpoint and what the signs are indicating to it's Yankees or Giants. That's what the conversation has pretty much been. And I think, look, I think it's a good sign that the offer is where it's at because I think it indicates that the Yankees are not playing around. And we also know that that's not going to be the Yankees final offer. Um, I think it's a good it's a good offer to throw at a starting point because if you look at the offer that they made him last time, it was seven years for two hundred thirteen point five, a thirty point five million dollar AAV. The Yankees could have very even with his historic season, the Yankees could have very easily came out and just thrown you know started playing around and offered him a thirty three million dollar AAV and like you know been like here's an eight year two sixty like it's better than the seven two thirteen point five that we offered you right now. They went immediately to eight and three hundred, which makes him the highest paid position player in the game of baseball by AAV. It's a $37.5 million AAV. It's more than Mike Trout. The only person that's making more money than him per season is Matt Scherzer. So, and, and right now, Jacob DeGrom, right? That just got the 37.5, but you know, pitchers in terms of positional players, he he would have surpassed Mike Trout. Um, and I agree with you. I, th I think the ninth year is it's what's going to get it done. I, that's where I have my offer at. I have it at nine and 342. And I was telling Nick um, a couple weeks ago, you know, I think Aaron Judge, like, I think the Yankees make a statement by making Aaron Judge the highest paid player in New York, and not just the Yankees, but both the Yankees and the Mets, they make him the highest paid player in, in AAV and total contract value. So that's giving him $1 million more than the 341 that the Mets gave Francisco Lindor, and that would be, so instead of the, what, what, what was Lindor's deal? I think Lindor's deal was like 10 for 341. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, so the Yankees would give Judge 9 for 342, which would be a $38 million AAV. He gets the most money in New York. He, you know, I, I don't think he surpasses someone like Mookie who got like 365 overall from, from the Dodgers because that was across 12 seasons. So I don't yeah, think he surpasses. Time, different yeah. too, right? Yeah, like, and like, Mookie, yeah, Mookie was younger. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think he gets the 360 over the 365. But again, nine at 342, a $38 million AV, that's kind of what you have to expect to pay for a guy that just broke the American League home run record. Like I, I know, and I know that a lot of people are mentioning his age, but look, he's going to go into his age 31 season, no matter what team signs him. It doesn't matter if he ends up for, for any, look, for anyone who's going to judge the Aaron Judge deal, like it doesn't matter if he ends up on the Yankees or the Giants or the Dodgers or the Mets. If you give him an eight or nine year deal, every team expects the last couple years of that deal to be crap. Like if you're being honest with yourself, but that's the premium that you have to pay if you want the prime years that are coming up 
for one of the best hitters in the game of baseball. Everyone knows that. I don't know why we get so caught up in the conversation of, oh my God, nine seasons. You would hope that he gives you six really solid years. And then if you have to eat two of those years at the end, hey, six seasons have gone by. I would hope that your franchise is good enough to develop other players by this point and have other players in positions that, hey, when Aaron Judge is old and on his way out, we have a whoever it is, a Jason Dominguez or Anthony Volpe, or if there's another star that comes on the way, right? That's developed and, and yeah. ready to go. Yeah, like yeah. someone who's ready to go and like take over, right? Like it's it's all you're not signing these players to play for you until they're 45. Like, sure, a pitcher, these pitchers nowadays might be a little different, but in terms of positional players, like no one's out here, like you're not gonna be uh fielding a team of Julio Franco's out here, you know, like they're not gonna be playing until the age, almost age of 50. So it's just like I don't know why so many people get caught up in like the end of those contracts. But I honestly think that's what it's going to be. I agree with you. I think it's going to have to go to a ninth year. I think the Yankees are going to have to go there. I'm I'm trying to see how far the Giants are actually trying to push it. Because if, if the three of us are going to be real here, the Giants are kind of even in a worse position than like the Rangers. If we're talking from like a talent perspective, even if they sign Judge, like, who do you have around Aaron Judge? Like, the, at least the Rangers have Jacob DeGrom. They got Seager. They got Simeon. They have they have other young arms that are on the way up and things like that. The, Ra- the Giants are in a position where they are literally trying to acquire Aaron Judge so that they have that piece that attracts the other talent that's needed. And that's a very, very big first step that's needed. It's not an easy first step for anyone. Let's put this way. Let's put it this way: the athlete who had to come out to recruit Aaron Judge was stepped. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, and, and I get it. Yeah, like, dude, it's not. Look, it's not easy in any sense. It's not easy to commit three hundred thirty, three hundred forty, three hundred fifty, three hundred sixty million dollars to someone. I get it, but like, that's what it's going to cost to get Aaron Judge. Like, someone was saying it the other day. Like, oh, um, I don't think, I don't think Aaron Judge um, is all about the money in the sense, in the sense of like, oh, I don't think Aaron Judge is paying attention to. Um, to like being the highest paid Yankee, right? Like getting more than 324 million. I'm just like, I'm just like, he's not gonna say it publicly, but you know damn well the Yankees are gonna have to give him more than the 324 they gave Derek Cole. Run me my bad. Like it's just like, yeah, it's just like that's why I keep saying he is going to be the highest paid player on the Yankees and in New York. That is my prediction. Out of both teams, he is going to be the start. As he is, he it, it position position-wise, he is the highest ranked player. Out of both New York baseball teams right now, that's just a fact heading into this season. So I think he will be paid as such. For the Yankees, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I agree with Nick. I don't know exactly where they go and how they pivot if they lose Aaron Judge. Sure, we can make predictions on them getting into the shortstop market and all that stuff. But again, it's not going to be equal production. Dude, there's no way to replace it. You lose a superstar. There, there's just uh, superstars. It's not you can't. You, they can't just say, "Hey, okay, let's get the Padres on the phone." And um, hey, what do you want for Fernando Tatis Jr.? Like it's it. That's not like how things are gonna go down here, you know. So I'll say I'll say two things about about one judges market and then two just contracts overall. Like the first right. thing is the reason why there's not a lot of suitors for judges contracts is there's not a lot of teams that could take on bad contracts and still be successful. One of seen is, is the Yankees, right? Yankees. If, if, if Judge ends up being absolutely terrible, the Yankees will figure it out, right? They, they, they have the money to be like, okay, we're basically dumping 37 mil for years, you know, 8 and 9 or 7, 8 and 9. We can deal with that. We're a competent organization. San Francisco, the only reason they can do this is because they have nobody on the books. 
they have zero people on the books making this kind of kind of money. So for them, it's easy. It's yeah, look, he'll he'll be that guy. Hopefully, we can build around him. You know what I mean? And and he's our marquee kind of you know superstar face of the franchise guy. But that that's about it, right? Like, look, the Dodgers they have so much money backloaded to those contracts that it would be financially irresponsible to to add a, a thirty seven a year mill player at the age of like thirty eight at that point, right? Just the way that they have their contracts set up. Look, the Mets, same thing, man. Look, Lindor. I hate to say this because I love Lindor, but that shortstop contract, because he plays shortstop in a position where now we're going to end the shift, that's going to look worse sooner than, than, than we thought it would be, right? And, and not that I, I expect him to decline anytime soon, but how many 35-year-old shortstops do we have in the game, right? Like, not many. And eventually, he's going to be that with five years left on his contract. So, you know, that's point one. Not, not a lot of teams can afford to, to lose out on those contracts. Even... Even the Rangers can't afford to lose out on a contract like that, especially since they have all this other money. They already have other contracts that they know they're going to be fucked with. And then the second thing is, everyone on Twitter and everyone thinks they're like this amazing gym. Like, ha, 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 ha. We'll just offer them so much money AAV that they'll have to sign. Like, no, bro. There's a reason why this isn't happening. There's a reason why the only player to have done this so far while in his prime was Trevor Bauer, right? Everyone else, like Max Scherzer, He's older, right? He's an older guy that probably wasn't given a contract like that at the age of, of, of 38. You know what I mean? So he's like, fuck it. I'll take another bite at the apple, and we'll see how we're going, right? Trevor Bauer's the only one to do it, and that's really, you know, that's not a great example. That's one person who has had a legal situation happening, so you can't even really tell how that's going to live out. So this, these thoughts of, like, yo, we're just going to offer him, like, $70 million a year for the next three years. If you're, if you're a person like Aaron Judge, why the fuck would you take that, right? Like maybe I suck in three years, right? Not, not that I don't, think, I don't think players think like that, right? But, like, as an agent, you got to be like, yo, if this player sucks in three years, like, why the fuck wouldn't we get the most money we can and get that payout amongst as much time as we can? So all these dreams of, like, yeah, we'll just do it for this amount and they'll sign, like, you're out of your fucking mind, guys. There's a reason that, 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 that the MLB Players Association is as strong as it is. They're not idiots, you know what I mean? So... If, if, you're, if you're a team like the Dodgers and you're fascinated about, like, yo, we'll, we'll run you 50 a year for the next three or four years, that's not going to get it done. It's not even going to – it's going to be laughed at. It's going to be sniffed at. And you're just going like, to just, just walk. Um, but, look, I, at the end of the day, like I, I said in the beginning, like I think Judge, there's a real possibility he ends up in San Francisco. But the, the further this goes on, the more likely I think he signs with the Yankees. Like there's just not a lot in San Francisco to – like. Yeah, San Francisco is beautiful. But aside from that, there's there's not much in San Francisco right now. You know, again, if he had Bruce Bochy, maybe it was, it'd be a little bit different. Um, but I, I'm not moving to the West Coast for Gabe Kapler. Um, that's just that's just my personal thing. Let Let's go to to some other quick news, and this is about Brian Reynolds. He's requested a trade, and as soon as he requested it, the the Pirates were like, "Yeah, nah, bitch, like you're ours." Right, you signed your contract. You you you're, you're scheduled to be here for the next three years. We look forward to having you, man. That's essentially what the response was to that trade to that trade um, rumor. But Nick, man, I'll start with you, dude. Um, <laughs> I, I just think this is funny. But but do, do you have anything on Brian Reynolds and, and this trade request? I mean, the only thing for me is like, dude, why did you sign a two year extension and then then later that year request a trade? Like, don't do that. That's that's just bad. Like, nobody's gonna be on your side here. Like, yeah, you're on a shitty team and you're a good player. But come on, man. Like, don't don't sign a two-year extension. And the crazy thing about the extension, it didn't even take him through his arbitration. 
Like <laughs> the Pirates still have control of him after this extension through arbitration. And if he has a down year like he did last year, he's not going to get very much money through arbitration because he's not going to be a very good player. So it's very interesting because he's going to be disgruntled for not wanting to be on the team. But he's got to perform if he wants to get his money. And he's so cheap. Why would the Pirates trade him? You're all you're you're almost you're probably an all-star this year coming up. I mean, let's be real. He's he is one of the best six outfielders in the National League. So he's gonna be he's gonna give you all-star level production at not all-star level price tag. If he does dip down, you're still gonna have him through his arbitration, which isn't gonna go Brian Reynolds' way. He has no power here. He's just being kind of a whiny baby. And that really sucks because up until this moment, I, I kind of liked a Brian Reynolds. I mean, he wears my number 15. Like, there's a lot of reasons to like him. Um, I understand what he's doing. Like your big off-season acquisition is Carlos Santana. Okay. Uh, so here we don't go. So Pirates are just going to continue the rebuild. I understand his frustration, but don't make this public. Talk to the front office like one-on-one. You just look really, really bad here. Um, I hate to be a Pirates fan right now because the front office is not winning any battles on any level at this point. Like, your big signing is Carlos Santana. Your best player is publicly requesting a trade. You don't really seem to have a direction other than you hope O'Neill Cruz turns out to what he's supposed to be. That's that's your biggest claim to fame right now. And I hate to say it, but with such a big guy, a la an Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge always had that potential. And yes, he has success, but his he's so up and down. You have that MVP all-time season in that body in on the field. But do you know if you're going to get it or not? And then your second best player is Cabrian Hayes, who is good, but he's not great. Like, he's not even a guy that I kind of pencil into the All-Star game on any given year. So the the front office is, it's one of, where we talk about the Astros being one of the best, the Pirates front office is one of the worst. And I am glad I'm a fan because nobody's ever going to call me bandwagon, that's for sure, because there's not a chance. There's Other than O'Neill Cruz, like, there's really not much you can you can give me for uh uh for positivity out of that team right now. But Brian Reynolds looks really bad right here. I hope he understands what he did and he still plays hard because that's the only way he's going to get his money after this. Um, yeah, it's just a bad look all the way around. There's there's very little positivity in Pittsburgh right now as a Pirates fan. Man, look, the Pirates are so dysfunctional. It, it is it is stupid how dysfunctional that team is, man. Like I, I, I know you're a fan and whatnot, but still, it's just like very kind of just... If it wasn't for the Rockies, they're the worst franchise in baseball. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think the worst part of all this, and, and you you mentioned it was the, the extension. Like, guys, I, I get it. Like, look, don't sign extensions if you don't plan, if you don't know what that means for you, right? Like, for instance, I know a lot of the things like like one of the, the one the one people I was surprised that signed a um a a extension was the shortstop for the for the Rays, right? Like Franco, Franco, you're gonna be miserable in Tampa. Your entire the entirety of your career, right? Like, like I've I've been to Tampa. It it is God's waiting room in every example possible. You know what I mean? Like it is like like what do you do in your life? So like look if you if you're Brian Reynolds, you you knew the Pirates were going to turn it around. You you can't be a team that's that bad and and has no has absolutely no farm prospects to be excited about, right? Like what do you what are we doing here? What, in what way are we going to get better? Yo, um, what's it called? Nick, I'm mean, not Nick. Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. What are your thoughts on just disgruntled, uh, these disgruntled parties right here? 
Yeah, uh, this, this is an interesting one, man. I, look, to be honest with you, I don't know why the Pirates are holding on so tightly to Brian Reynolds. Like that, not, look, he's a really good player. Like, and I'd love to have him. I know he's a guy that's been mentioned a lot of time with the Yankees. There's a lot of mentions about Brian Reynolds' interest in the entire AL East. I've heard the Orioles. I've heard the Red Sox. I've heard the Blue Jays. I've heard teams like Atlanta. I mean, look, if a team like Atlanta acquired Brian Reynolds, that would be a gross outfit. There's Okuna, Reynolds. Team, there's not one team in the MLB for Brian Reynolds' price tag that one can't yeah. afford him and two shouldn't want him. Yeah, no, exactly. Imagine Brian Reynolds, uh, Michael Harris, and Okuna Jr. outfield. I mean, that, yeah, that I'm sure the Mets would be happy seeing that after just losing Jacob DeGrom and seeing Atlanta acquire Brian Reynolds. So that, that'd be great. But look, the reason why I say like they shouldn't be so pressed to like hold on to Brian Reynolds is just based, based on like what you said, like what his price tag is, is kind of like what his price tag is. Like there's not like anything crazy about Brian Reynolds. Like Brian Reynolds by definition is not a superstar and that's not a shot at Brian Reynolds. But at the same time, it's like how, how high exactly is Brian Reynolds on the outfield ladder? Like when you actually start to look at it, right? Because every year, look, we already know the top five or six spots in the outfield are taken up by the perennial MVP candidates. So like we already know that, right? Then when you look at like that next group up, like the guys that we talked about recently, like this past year, who are like, you know, kind of on and off because of injury, right? But if you talk about just the talent, right? You're still taking a Julio Rodriguez. Like Julio Rodriguez is not in that group, but he wasn't that group this past season. But look, a Julio Rodriguez, a Kyle Tucker, a Luis Robert, um, you're still taking all those guys over Brian Reynolds. Like a George Springer, I would take George Springer over Ryan Reynolds, like just me. Like, so he's more in that conversation with like your like back end, like Tyler O'Neill's type of groups, like in that conversation. Like I would pick him over Tyler O'Neill, but he's kind of like on that back end of like, does he crack into the top 10? Maybe. And to be honest, the only reason he's been there too is because of the fall-offs that we've had from some former MVPs. Because if we were still talking about a Cody Bellinger or a Christian Yellick, for example, then you're talking about him even being a little bit lower um, on that end. So he's a really good player. But for the Pirates to like have such a hard stand, like I would understand if it was Aaron Judge, right? And Aaron Judge comes to you and is like, I want to be traded. And you're just like, no, like, no, because we're you're a superstar and we're going to hold on to you. And when we want to trade you, like, we'll let you go. Like, I understand that the Pirates might be trying to hold on and maybe get like, much more value for Brian Reynolds. But at the same time, it's like, how much more value are you going to get? Like we, from what we've seen so far, we probably know that his top season, okay, he might have a 900 OPS. Like, yeah, they could, they could benefit if they give him up at the deadline. So, but I'm just saying in terms of the statement to put out a statement that is, that is so like on the end of like, no, like he is going to be here for three seasons. And all, like, it's just like, no, you should probably think about like, you know, if a good trade comes up, like you should definitely think about taking it because again, I would probably bank on like, if I had to bank on the future of the Pittsburgh Pirates, I'd bank, I'd bank on Cabrian Hayes, like being a better face for that team and potentially player long-term than Brian Reynolds. And then you can see like what you add on around a Brian and look for a Brian Reynolds, you could, you could get a potentially decent prospect back that ends up being part of your long-term as well, along with the Cabrian Hayes. So who knows? But I, I just don't know, man. I think there's going to be a lot of interest out there. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of packages out there from a lot of contenders that could get this deal done this week, if we were being, on, if we were being honest. 
Um, so for the Pirates, I, I would say at least listen on their end because I think, look, when you're talking about the Yankees or Red Sox, Blue Jays, whatever, I think that even the Braves, we know how we talk about the Braves and their and their um, farm system. Like, I think they have pieces together that could potentially help you down the line. It, it's weird, man. So, look, I'll say this about the, 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 the situation, right, with Brian Reynolds. He's not in a great spot to request a trade. Um, if you're the Pirates, so I agree with you. Look, this is the time. He's not going to be more valuable than he is right now. He's just not. He he has the years baked in. Um, right now he still looked as an upper echelon type player, at least like top fifteen, let's say, right where you see him as an everyday starter in the outfield. My thing with Brian Reynolds, and, and this is just my analysis. Is, look, I think he's a good center fielder defensively. I don't think he's a great center fielder defensively. I think he's a guy who projects to be like the next like five years. I think he projects to be a corner guy. I see him more in in, in left or right field in in like the next step of his of his development right i think you'd rather have a a little bit more of an upgrade in center field because you can't have an upgrade in center field uh than brian reynolds he's a switch hitter but he's not like a great switch hitter where his numbers are consistent on both sides he does hit a little bit worse on one side he has a little bit less power on one side so you know you're not just getting this this amazing player and i don't want to cheapen brian reynolds because he's very good but i also don't think that his value will increase at any point Right, so I know that there's been people throw out names out there like, oh, he might be worth a Logan Gilbert. The Mariners will not trade Logan Gilbert for Brian Reynolds because they would be stupid to do so. You know what I mean? You're not trading a a, a top end arm for 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 um, what's it called Brian Reynolds. You're not tra- trading one of your top prospects for Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds is what 27, going into his 8th, 28th season, has a couple of years of arbitration, and yeah, is he he helps any lineup he's in, absolutely, but. We also can't oversell him. He, he is also, at the end of the day, kind of just, he's another guy with the potential to be more than that. Um, you know what I mean? One, one more thing, because uh, this, this happened in the West, too, and we don't got to talk about it too much because I think the players in the trade suck, but the Mariners trade uh, Jesse Winker and I forgot who was the other piece, but Jesse Winker and I believe an arm for uh, Colton Wong. Colton Wong will, will go there in the second base. And we'll go really quick, but for me, what this means is two things. One, they're not going to get a, a big-name shortstop at this at this deadline. If not, you don't go get a second baseman. Um, and then two, Jesse Winker really sucks. But that's just something I've always thought, personally. Uh, do, do you guys have anything on this trade in particular? Uh, and I'll start with you, Rob. No, man, just, just quickly. I, th- I think, look, it's a trade that benefits the Mariners. I think, Jesse, I think after the acquisition of Teoscar Hernandez, we kind of understood that a guy like Jesse Winker was probably on his way out. Um, I think the acquisition of Colton Wong is good for the Mariners because it adds versatility to their team. I think Colton Wong is a guy that you can play at second. You can play him, you know, if you need him a, a game at third, you can put him in the outfield for a game or, or here and there if you need him. Um, definitely a lot more versatility out on the field than a guy like Jesse Winker, who is pretty much a corner outfielder or your oh, DH. And, and Abraham Toro. Abraham Toro was yeah. the other guy, my bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I think I think the Mariners from that end were just, you know, trying to acquire a piece. It kind of cleared up that spot, you know, and, and lets them kind of try to figure out something else there because obviously Teoscar Hernandez is a better option for them at this point than Jesse Winker. However, I do think the change of scenery will also benefit Je- uh, Jesse Winker. I think he's going back to the NL Central where he was with the Reds. He, he recognizes that pitching and all that stuff. So I don't know if he goes back to his Cincinnati Reds numbers, but I do expect at least a, a somewhat of a bounce back season from a guy like Jesse Winker. Nick, man, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, for me, it's what are the Brewers doing? I mean, you got rid of Hunter Renfro and Colton Wong to get back Abraham Toro and Jesse Winker. Uh, okay, you don't want to make the playoffs. I got it. That's it. That's all I got. Yo, Brewers giving up. By the way, the West has been crazy because don't forget Hunter Renfro is now with the Angels too. Um, yeah. Th- there's a funny meme going around saying that the that the Angels have three Mike Trouts because there's a guy named Mike Fish in their minor yeah. system that projects yeah, it. No. Hunter, Hunter Renfro is, is the amazing uh, third piece that the Angels were adding to their big three. Of, Yo, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro has to smell bad, right? Like, he just has to be a person that, like, has a bad odor. Because the thing he gets traded for are ridiculous, right? Like, he gets traded from the Red Sox to, to, for Jackie ba- Bradley Jr., which I, nobody gets that Bruh, one, right? He got, traded, he got traded from the Red Sox after a career season yeah. for Jackie Bradley Jr. after, ja- like, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s worst season of his career, bro. Jackie Bradley Jr. gets DFA'd, goes to play for a rival. Yo. And then right now he gets traded. He gets traded. He gets traded to the Angels for a guy named something Junk. I think he's like Josh Junk or something like that. That was the guy. That was the guy that. Uh, that was the guy that the Yankees traded. Um, <laughs> they traded the Angel. They traded that guy to the Angels for somebody. I forgot who it was. Yeah. Um, or wasn't it? Uh, oh, it was when we got Andrew Haney from the Angels. That's not we got Andrew Haney for the Angels. <laughs> that was gross, man. But, no, but I'm just saying, like Hunter Renfro, like what's what's the deal? Like he's a good player. He's productive. He, he plays. A he's great having game. sex with all the players' wives, and they oh just want to, dude. Yeah, dude. He has to like say the n word like hard R. Dude, anyway. my guy. Like, dude, my guy. Like that. Like, dude, my guy has to keep his backpack like every single season. Like when the yo, you know when the season ends, he has his suitcase and he's like, "All right, coach. Like, where am I going? <laughs> like, tell tell me what what flight I'm hopping on." <laughs> like, yeah, it just, dude. I, I think I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy. I, he's he's a really good player. Um. W- Last thing, uh, winter meetings start today. Winter meetings usually is when things start kicking off. Um, the hot stove gets a little bit hotter. Trades tend tend to happen during, during this period. Uh, you know, is there is there anything particular you guys are looking out for this winter meeting? And I'll start with you, Nick. Three of the four shortstops move this week. Uh, the only one who doesn't is Xander Bogarts because he's the only Scott Boris client who likes to hold on. But I think everybody else lands somewhere this week. Very cool, man. Nick, what, I mean Rob, what about you? Uh, I think I think the judge signing might happen this week. Um, I fully expect the judge signing before Christmas. I, again, I think the market is pretty dead set. Like, if anyone thinks that it's not like New York and the Giants having like ninety five percent of judges' attention right now, then they're just joking themselves. Um, so I think we might get a judge decision. And I'm also looking at the pitching market. I think I think that the Grom signing with the Rangers is going to cause a lot of teams to pivot. You're you're looking at the Mets. You're looking at the rain at the Rangers still. You're looking at the Astros. Um, you're looking at other teams. Like I mentioned the Blue Jays as being one of the teams that was in on, on Verlander. The, I know the Phillies were interested in, in Verlander as well. So a lot of the teams that are looking at, at these arms are definitely going to pick up, um, you know, do we hear the Yankees potentially throw their, their name in for a guy like Rondon or something like that? I think the arms is just, is, is interesting. Cause honestly, I think DeGrom signing so quick and for the price that he signed up might've added a little bit of money, um, to both Verlander and, and, um, Rondon's contracts. I think definitely Verlander. I think the fact that that the Mets are on the phone with Verlander um, after Degrom left them, especially, I think Verlander is going to fill his pockets up nicely, depending on where he goes. If he ends up, because you know that if he ends up going to the Mets, Steve Cohen is giving him some stupid amount of money. It's probably going to be similar to the Scherzer deal, where Verlander, Verlander might honestly get like I predicted he would get three at one fifteen. He might he might get three at one twenty. Like he might get forty million AAV from from Steve Cohen just because he lost out on Jacob Degrom and is that you know pissed about it. So we'll definitely have to see. Yeah, man. For, for me, I expect trades. 
I expect trades to happen. I'm, I'm not sure who, where, but um, you know, this is the easiest time to make trades. GMs are in the same room. Uh, they bring in j- just so you guys have like I know I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but th- the way it works is typically the teams come in. They come in like packs, man. Where it's the GM, it, it's the the front office like team. Some some people have like let's say ten people. Some people have like thirty people, right? And and the whole time there, um, you know, it's just it's just one. I don't know, man. Think think like a baseball orgy kind of thing, right? Where it's just everyone's getting signed, right? Like it is it is it's kind of it was kind of wild to watch. You have you have a lot going on, um, but yeah, trades. I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know where. Uh, there's there's things that don't make a lot of sense this year, and things that do make sense. But a lot of the big players that we typically hear about, like like the Red Sox, dude, we haven't mentioned the Red Sox once with any of these free agents, which is wild, because that's not a small market team. That's a big market team, and not only that, they have a big market team with a lot of problems. So the fact that we're not even touching base with any of these guys, right? Like you know, I, I think they try to get Xander Bogarts back, and maybe that's their big move, but. That's not big enough, right? I think he, dude. I think I think Xander's gone. I think Xander's I think gone. I heard. I heard. Uh, I think I heard yesterday that his. Um, I don't remember what what source I saw it from, but I I think I read yesterday that Xander's like representation like cut off communication with the Red Sox. So I think like wow. I think he's he's like looking at entirely other options right now. So we'll definitely have to see, especially this week. Man, look in, in my in my unrealistic wish list. It would I we would sign. I think I honestly I think he's a he's a gold glove caliber third baseman. I think he's an okay shortstop. I think if you, it's if also a nephew baseman, to the Red Sox, like thank you. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll send them Donaldson. Um, <laughs> oh yes, yo, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks. Yeah, it's it's fair. It's a fair trade package. Come on now. Nah, man, but like no, seriously. So, so for me, trades, I know there's a lot of Marlin rumors because the Marlins need offense and they yeah. have an, an excess of pitching, so Let's see who ties up with them. Um, Mariners, they seem to be kind of cooking something up. Nobody really knows. Uh, but yeah, Dodgers have been like very silent. Surprisingly. Yeah, surprisingly. I don't, I don't quiet, expect that yeah. to be the case since they're kind of the front runner of, of, of offseason news usually. They got to give Bellinger his one-year $25 million. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, <laughs> dude, that's another thing that we, we didn't talk about, right? Guys like Bellinger. But, yeah, but we'll see, man. Somewhere. We'll see. I, I have a feeling we'll have a, a shit ton of th- talk about next Sunday. Just because that's just the way that the, the easy works, man. But yeah, you got, you guys de- anything? It, uh, yeah, I'll end it on this. It might be a depressive episode next Sunday. I'll tell you that because if, <laughs> if, if there's a judge decision this week and it's not to New York, yo, I'm gonna say the judge decision. If it is this week, it will definitely dictate the energy of next week's episode because oh yeah. man, we're in for a good one either way. Nick, man, what about you, man? What do you want to end off on? No, nah, it's gonna be a good week. Uh, I very rarely look to a week in December ahead of, outside of just the Christmas season, and but definitely for baseball, this is gonna be a good one. It's the first time it's in person since ni- 2019. And 2019 was the year that we had Cole sign early, we had Strasburg sign early, we had some big trades. Um, the in person factor is very underrated, and it, it's always been in person for the last two years. There's gonna be a lot of action. I think you're right. The trades are gonna be hot and heavy, but the signings, I think. A lot of teams are going to try to get whatever they're going to get. I think they're going to try to get it this week. I don't think they're going to hold on through the offseason. They want to get their team set, ready to go. Um, I look for the Rangers to be active. That Bruce Bochy signing to me, out of nowhere, we've already talked about it, but for him to come out of nowhere and go from managing the WBC for France to managing the Rangers, 
the Rangers had to tell him something about their plans. Jacob deGrom is the first domino in that. There's got to be more there coming up for the Rangers to really try to be competitive because they can leapfrog the Mariners. I really like the Mariners, what they're doing, and DePoto is going to be active again because there's no way he's going to look at the Rangers getting DeGrom and sit back and think Colton Wong is going to be his offseason prize. So the AOS is going to be active because the Angels, their last year with Otani, I think the AOS is going to be the hotness with this, with not only the whole offseason, but this whole week coming up. I think the AOS is going to be the division that really throws a lot of headlines out there. Yeah, I'll say this, man. Don't be surprised if, if you hear a name like Shohei Otani come up this week um, in, in a trade package. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I still think the Angels keep him in and, and see what, like, try to run it back this year. But, like, don't be surprised if you hear kind of um, some more smoke as far as that goes. And then, yo, my last thing, yo, I, I love the winter meetings, man. I, um, I had a great experience. I was in that last winter meeting in 2019. It was in San Diego. And... Bro, I um, I got, I was in an elevator with like David Wright, and I like, like, what the fuck do you say to that, right? Like, like, dude, like, hey, what's up, Mister Wright? Because at that time I was like job hunting too, so it wasn't like, like I had to like be professional and shit. But yo, I was just like standing, like, yo, what the fuck do I say to, to this like New York legend? You know what I mean? Even though fuck the Mets, but still, like, he's, he's still a New York legend, right? Um, it, it, it was crazy, man. Like, I, I hung out with like Eloy Jimenez's like teacher, like his English teacher, because they like everyone fucking goes from the organization. So like his English teacher was there. She's like, yeah. Eli, we call him the big baby. He has a little brother that's bigger than him. I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a pretty fun time, pretty wild time, man. I, I've had, I had good experiences when I went um, the last few years. But, yeah, man, that's it from us. We'll, we'll definitely uh, see you here back next week where we'll probably we expect some, some pretty big news coming your way. So um, get the fuck out of here. Go enjoy your Sunday and stuff. Bye.